tell us a bit about when your interest in the trade union movement began, if you could. Well, I uh, I joined the uh, uh, union movement um, immediately and uh, going into work. I uh, worked for the Forestry Board in the 60s and uh, I was in it then and subsequently at the um, Isle of Man Electricity Board, which of course is now the MUA, um, that was very strongly unionised and I stayed um, in it. Uh, that was the Transport and General Workers Union when I went into the uh, construction trade and became uh, what was called a money steward then. Uh, in those days the subs were collected manually in workplaces and uh, I became a, a shop steward uh, doing that. Uh, then I left the T&G for a time and uh, I was in the uh, Confederation of uh, Health Service Employees. I worked at the hospital and... Um, a couple of years out of it and uh, I arrived back in the union movement in uh, 1980 just as a sort of uh, veritable maelstrom of industrial relations upheaval hit the island and uh, the rest was history. By 1986 I was a full-time official in the TNG and we were at war with the government. A crude question, but what's the appeal? Well, there was no... Um, there was no great uh, ideological appeal on um, my part. I wasn't drawn to it. Uh, it often amuses me when I read on social media that I'm a Corbynista or uh, back years ago it was somebody else, I don't know, militant tendency. But I certainly wasn't drawn into the union movement um, from a, a ideal of socialism. In fact, at the same time as I became a union member, I'd also become a... a uh, found a member of the Nationalist Party, so it wasn't socialist ideology, and I certainly had no uh, leanings towards activism in it until 1980. And then when we realised, uh, those of us who, who became involved in the movement at that time, uh, just how bad conditions were here, we realised we'd, we'd have to change them, and, and that called for a total commitment, and there was total commitment at that time. It was a very active movement, and um, uh, although I'm often seen as synonymous with uh, the mid-80s onwards, um, it was a very uh, a strong group of people, individuals. Um, I mean, that, that can't be understated. Uh, the union wouldn't have had the influence it did have, only we had a very vibrant base. I mean, union meetings in those days I, I doubt whether you'd get a handful at them now but um, they were packed houses you know. Tell us about some of your peers in the 80s um, you mentioned it was a, a strong cohort of people um, are you in touch with with many of them? I'm, I'm still in touch with um, uh, people that I was involved with at various stages some of them um, became involved in the movement and then left it um, some were very uh, passionately uh, committed uh, to it, uh, some from an ideological point of view, others uh, simply from a social justice uh, um, aspect, others because they felt that the island had no political opposition, and I think that's still the same today. I mean, you must uh, read social media, people are um, climbing up the walls because there's no meaningful opposition. Well, that was always the case, but certainly um, from the early 80s, 
the trade union movement, and by that I mean the broader movement, not just the Transport and General Workers Union, um, was the opposition. And the Isle of Man Trade Union Council, as it became, um, Manx TUC, um, it was a very uh, strong organisation in terms of participation. Again, I think a lot of that has waned these days because uh, obviously people are better off. We enjoyed a, a degree of success and terms and conditions were improved radically. And of course, when people have got more disposable income um, and more leisure time, uh, they obviously don't want to go down the union hall and spend their time. So was, <clears throat> was it or, or is it a, a credible opposition, do you feel? I think it was. And uh, it. I mean, if, if you look at the... Uh, uh, headlines of the time and we put uh, uh, we kept all the news cuttings we put them into uh, uh, MNH library uh, it, it was very vibrant at the time and very uh, ferocious vicious sometimes in terms of the uh, exchanges between government and the union movement it could get uh, very vitriolic I mean it amuses me these days how sensitive some politicians are because in those days you could uh, have a right old ding dong uh, politically with somebody and um, 45 minutes later bump into them and have a perfectly normal conversation people could uh, separate if you like um, what you were doing from the point of view of uh, the union movement and social justice from the personal side and uh, that was very useful because um, as I say it was very intense at the so the sorts of people who were involved in unions, are they, are they, is there a, a requirement to have that sort of fire in the belly, if you like? I think so. Um, Manx people are slow to uh, uh, move in that uh, sense. The union movement had been um, fairly vibrant here in the 1920s. The old General Workers Union, which the uh, TGWU subsumed in 1929. Um, it was quite um, active at that time, the, the union movement, and of course it led to uh, draconian legislation, the 1936 Trade Disputes Act, just as the uh, um, activity in the 1980s led to the Trade Union Act and the Employment Act of the early 1990s. So it had this uh, cyclic thing Manx people, Manx working people would take a lot and then eventually they would turn. And um, as I say, although I'd been in the movement for about um, a decade and a half by the time uh, I became an activist in 1980, that was just a point where things boiled over. And uh, for 15 years, I would say, we had um, uh, quite significant activity. There were a lot of strikes, for example, and a lot of disputes which didn't go to a strike, but they were quite um, nasty anyway. Uh, on both sides, I hasten to add, it wasn't. Uh, um, it could be difficult for trade unionists to be an activist. Then um, I see as being very much like it's getting today because um, I get feedback because uh, I'm on social media a lot, as you know. Uh, often criticising Manx Radio, uh, um, but I get a lot of feedback from people, and um, certainly at the time uh, there's been disputes on, including 
and up to the one that's on currently with teachers, I get feedback. And uh, what astonishes me is that people are um, still reluctant to speak out, despite um, the government uh, implying that after the uh, reforms of the 1990s and the subsequent uh, review of that legislation uh, from the turn of this century, that there's more protection at work. Um, Sadly, I still see the the sort of discrimination and fear in the workplace um, that will eventually lead to what's a fairly boisterous industrial relations situation now uh, boiling over. It saddens me to a certain extent that uh, the battle that we fought um, uh, at the tail end of the last century um, is going to have to be refought again by uh, younger people, but it seems to be the case that uh, politically government doesn't seem to learn, you know. Constructive criticism is is always welcome. Of course, I thought I'd drop that in, but um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious. Let's we'll we'll come back to some of the specific events um, in your memory and some of the activism. Um, you've spoken a bit about the legislative framework. What powers do trade unions have, and that applies to the um, the Transport and General Workers Union, but also unions more generally. I think they're hemmed around now, where uh, by legislation they're hidebound. Uh, by aspects of the legislation. Um, I was very fortunate as a lay official in the early 80s and then the full-time official that there was virtually no trade union legislation except the 36 uh, Trade Disputes Act, which was uh, famously used against me. I was served an injunction under it. Um, But there was very little um, formal uh, requirements and certainly... uh, then you could um, take industrial action, for example, on a show of hands in a workplace. Now there have to be uh, ballots. I don't see that as being a particularly uh, bad thing, but it was much more easy because you could. the whole process moved faster. And, of course, people did want to have movement at that time. Another aspect, of course, that's changed dramatically is people were prepared to go uh, the full way. They'd go on uh, strike if necessary, whereas today with the kind of pressures that are on people, um, mortgages, you know, commitments generally, there's a great reluctance to go down that road. Um, Some of the groups um, back in the 80s uh, took the view that they had nothing to lose. I mean, we had a particularly bitter dispute in the uh, uh, brewery uh, industry, and uh, that went on for just over four weeks over Christmas. That shows the the resolve of the people at that time, that they were prepared to stay out at a time of year when they really needed money because their their wages were appalling, you know. Have have the powers at trade unions' disposal changed? I I think they've got they've got means to redress. Um my uh, daughter Angela, who's a, a trade union fit, was a trade union official here for for Prospect, not for the union I was in, and has gone on to Ireland. Uh, she uh, always used to chide me when I was uh, criticising her constructively that uh, things had changed. Uh, you know, um, it was a different uh, game today. You know, you had to uh, uh, use the machinery that was there and available. And to a certain extent, I suppose she was right that uh, you could get results for people without them having to um, uh, take some of the uh, dramatic action that we had in uh, the 80s. How about membership numbers? 
have that have they changed or have they been consistent well we we had a steady growth in membership uh, when i was at uh, the tgwu and uh, i i was still uh, even after i finished in 2007 i i worked on in the branch and um of course with the merger of the two unions which became unite at that point i think membership was an all time at an all time high i mean i don't know um what the situation is now i know from when angelo was with prospect membership there grew um dramatically so i'd say this uh probably membership isn't at the level that it was um uh, some years ago but it'll still be substantial and the thing to bear in mind here is if you look at um ILO or OECD statistics, the percentage of fair workers in unions in the Isle of Man is dramatically higher than in a lot of countries that you might associate with uh, uh, militant trade unionism, like France, for example. France has something like uh, 7 or 8% of members who are union members, and yet you'll often see disputes in France. I would say the the overall membership in the Isle of Man, and this is a guesstimate, uh, although the statistics should be available up in the uh, uh, registry now, um, must be in excess of uh, 25 to 30% of the uh, workforce in the Isle of Man. So it's a, it's a sizable interest group. And of course, the point I always make, because the union isn't just about its members, or certainly it wasn't in my day, it was about social justice generally. And even uh, these uh, old sweats you read on uh, social media again, or you bump into, who articulate uh, very strongly about how they don't like trade unions, their whole um, uh, social condition, their economic prosperity has been shaped by the union movement because um, uh, coincidentally as I, I gave you some documentation earlier uh, this year is the centenary of the International Labour Organization which was set up in 1919 and then restated its objectives at the uh, uh, conference in Philadelphia in 1944. Now all the documentation uh, points to the sort of society or building the sort of society that we have now. So the foundation work for all the prosperity of uh, every worker, including those in this building, those that are in a union or out of a, a union, is based on the groundwork that was done at that time by the ILO. And the ILO is a very important um, body, uh, International Labour Organisation. We used it on several occasions both through the TGWU and through the Isle of Man TUC to challenge the Manx government. We see commemorations for all sorts of things nowadays and um, significant uh, anniversaries or birthdays or milestones are often celebrated. I'd not heard of this this year before you told me just before we came on, Mike. Well, I what's, was, what's, what's the reason for that? Well, I'm, I'm very surprised, to be perfectly honest, because bear in mind, a serious point here now... Um, this whole desire for social justice after the uh, end of the First War, which was commemorated here, was predicated on the sacrifice that people had made. And the reason it was restated in 1944 when the UN was being established and the ILO, um, which had been a standalone body up to then, became part of the UN, 
it was restated at a time when the the second war hadn't even come to an end. I mean, people uh, like members of my family were were uh, fighting their way out of Normandy. The end of the war wasn't even in sight, and yet it it was felt important enough that the sacrifice that those people had made um, led to a tangible improvement for working people. And I urge people to, it's only a three-page document, I'll give you a copy, the uh, declaration. Just look at it, look what it states. There's nothing outrageous in there, and a lot of it's been achieved already. And I think it's shameful, to be perfectly honest, that the the Manx government uh, haven't embraced the concept of the... uh, uh, anniversary of uh, centenary of the ILO, or indeed uh, the fact of the uh, subsequent uh, later declaration, because it is an important document, and they'll all go and stand around uh, war memorials, or uh, the chief minister will get himself uh, air freighted out to stand on the deck of an aircraft carrier and celebrate the military. Well, those military men... uh, in those two great wars were fighting for an ideal, a better society. And um, I think it's time the government realised that and uh, uh, shared the influence in terms of social justice equally with the trade union movement as it does with the Chamber of Commerce. I haven't got anything against the government um, embracing the Chamber of Commerce if they think that builds the uh, economy of the Isle of Man, but they should also embrace the trade union movement. And I suggest they should do it fairly quickly because it might not affect the chief minister or the current treasury minister, but subsequent political figures may have to pick up the pieces when we have another rerun of uh, what's happened in the past in the con- uh, context of uh, industrial unrest. I think I know your answer to this already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you take into one the history of the trade union movement, the powers at the disposal of trade unions and membership numbers and interest in trade unions, do you think their voices are taken seriously? I don't think they are now at all. I mean, the the worst thing that I I, um, uh, saw occurring, and by this time my uh, period with the active movement was was winding down, but uh, the government... And it wasn't this current government, although it's persisted with it. But the previous uh, administration, I think the Bell administration, decided to uh, scrap the uh, tripartite dialogue between the union, the uh, Chamber of Commerce, and themselves, the uh, Manx National Economic Development Council. And I think that was a very bad thing because the MNEDC was hardly established by a radical. I mean, Sir Miles Walker, the first chief minister, it was his government that established it. And although I suppose it could be an irritant at times to have the uh, Chamber of Commerce and the trade union movement sitting in a room with you telling you, the po- the politicians, um, how you should be doing things, it nonetheless, it gave them a, I don't know, a litmus test of uh, how both sides... Um, felt. Now, at the moment, I think the government simply gets uh, feedback from the business sector. That's a bad thing because from the point of view of um, equitable social justice, uh, they're not getting the full picture and they they don't seem to want it either. Um, I don't doubt Chris Thomas, who has some sort of forum with the unions, would say, uh, well, we still have dialogue with them. Well, what I'd say to you then is we'll tell them to produce the minutes and see what substance is there because I doubt there's very much. When did those meetings end and why? I I think about uh, 
10 years ago. I, do, I don't know. Uh, I know that uh, Alan Bell um, uh, subsequently became chief minister when he was in the MNEDC. He seemed to be mightily irritated, but my recollection of uh, Alan's irritation, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed to be irritated as much by some of the comments from the Chamber of Commerce telling <clears throat> government what to do as uh, from the trade union movement. So I don't know why they went down that road, but it was a very, a very poor um, move. There had, until that time, been um, a very good dialogue with previous chief ministers, uh, uh, Tony Brown, uh, Donald Gelling, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Miles Walker, and uh, indeed Richard Corkle as well. Um, and as I say, the MNEDC was set up by the Walker government that were were hardly a left-wing socialist-leaning government. In fact, quite the opposite, I would have said. And um, to have that uh, facility for dialogue taken away is a bad thing, I think. Is there a perception that trade unions have lost some credibility, perhaps? Uh, well, well, if there is, I don't know. As I say, I, um, I'm sort of recalling a period now, and I, although I take an interest in what's going on, I haven't got... Uh, uh, up-to-date information on what the state of play is but I mean the point to bear in mind here is um, the trade union movement globally is still um, a, a big issue and it's going to become an even bigger issue because uh, the burgeoning economies in um, countries with high populations they're starting to get organized now now aspects of the Manx economy now have to interact with uh, countries that um, are heavily unionised. I mean, just looking out from here, there's uh, one of the the um, duels in the crown of the Manx government is the shipping industry in the Isle of Man. Now, the shipping industry has um, great links into Scandinavia. If you look at OECD or ILO statistics, you'll find all the Scandinavian countries have... Um, high percentages of trade union movement, well above 50%, and indeed, in one instance, I think 70% uh, of people are unionised. So in interacting globally, there are going to be times when businesses here are going to come up against trade unionism. And if they've no experience here, or if their government has no um, idea of what drives unionism and uh, what's the uh, trade unionism and what's the uh, impetus behind it, uh, then they're going to lose a trick. And uh, I think it's important that governments um, recognise that, not just the Manx government, but any government, really. Let's come back to some of the events which took place um, during your uh, tenure, if that's the right word, in, in the trade union movement. What do you feel were some of the more significant successes, perhaps, to begin with? Well, I think the biggest success, and, and this will sound like a, a, a real try on, but the biggest success was uh, developing a dialogue with uh, government because the impetus for the explosion of activity here came from low pay disputes, which paralyzed the island in the early 80s, and particularly a tanker driver's dispute where the government found they had no mechanism to deal with it at all. The island ground to a halt within a matter of hours because 
tanker drivers. At that time, there was only one Holden depot on the island, and that was just down the hill here. Um, they went on strike for a very brief period. There was no mechanism to deal with that at all. One of the things that... Tanker tanker drivers, is that for for, for oil? Fuel, uh, basically. Fuel, uh, cars, everything, you know. Um, That led the government to realise that they needed to diversify, hence there are two holding depots on the island now, but they also needed a dialogue uh, with the union movement. And from then on, although we still had disputes, there were disputes involving seafarers, dock workers, brewery workers, construction workers loads of uh, factory workers um although we had those disputes we did have a conduit then and indeed in the isle of man trade union council we had a guy who uh, shamefully i can't remember his recall his name now um but uh, he acted as a, a liaison between the chief secretary's office and the trade union movement and often you could get a uh you could get round problems, if you like. The The government could intervene um, with a bit of gentle pressure and uh, on occasion put a bit of gentle pressure on us and impress upon us what damage might be done if uh, a situation got out of hand. So there was always that dialogue and that was one of the most important things. I mean, you could certainly, um, up until comparatively recently, you could access the... Uh, uh, Chief Minister, and that included Alan Bell, although, you know, you heard my comments about him uh, demolishing the MNEDC. Alan was still accessible, um, and uh, he uh, often a bit bitey at times, but uh, uh, other people, Walker and um, uh, uh, Don Gelling, were, were very accessible and uh, really wanted to know what was going on if there was a dispute. It astonishes me these days when you have things like what happened at the post office um, uh, last year and this current business with uh, the teachers that uh, the government are so remote from it. You know, they're, they're wanting to pretend that somehow they're not involved when in actual fact they're right up to their neck in it. So has the relationship between unions and government been symbiotic or does that make it sound too peaceful perhaps? It, it, well, it certainly wasn't peaceful, but uh, and there could, there could be uh, sharp views expressed on uh, both sides. But I think one of the things that reassured the uh, Manx government in the early 1990s was that they realised that the trade union movement here was a different animal. Now, you, you read all the time about uh, people here going on about... Uh, Corbynistas, and back in in my day, it was uh, Scargill. You know that man's worse than Scargill. But we had very little to do uh, politically with the UK. In fact, the, no contacts at all. Um, I certainly, for the best part of uh, uh, my time at TGWU, just abandoned going to regional meetings, as they were called in in the northwest, because they had no relevance to the Isle of Man. And Isle of Man trade union members as well, um, although the movement was strong and became stronger, they didn't all surge towards the Labour Party. There wasn't an ideological thing, you see. This was a social justice movement. And I think when the government of the day realised that, they realised that, well, you know, possibly uh, they could um, make some progress by engagement. If it's a social justice movement, is that inherently left-leaning? You've, you've said before that you've got some conservative views with a small C, which 
which would imply it's not quite as straightforward as that, maybe? Well, I'm certainly not a Christian, but if you look at some of the beliefs of Christians, they believe in a socially just society. I certainly wouldn't describe Peter Murcott, who was an active member of the trade union movement for many years as a, as a communist, but he was a very committed trade unionist. And although some people didn't like his other views, he was a very passionate supporter, a very articulate supporter of uh, the movement at the time. And uh, there were a lot of people like that. I mean, we embraced everybody, uh, Peter at that extreme, to people who were... Uh, uh, supporters of the Communist Party, you know, um, but ideologically, the broad swathe of uh, union members on the island had no political affiliation at all. When the election came round, they voted in the same old way they always had. They voted for the person and the platform that they put out, and invariably, most of those people were independents, although the Labour Party did have a, uh, a stronger um, presence uh, back in those days. I think it was very sad that uh, the split occurred with um, when Peter Caron established Liberal Vannon, to be perfectly honest, because Peter was very, very committed uh, to uh, the trade union movement. He was a member, like me, of the Transport and General Workers Union, probably still is, although I'm no longer a union member, I hasten to add, um, of, uh, uh, the, of what replaced it, Unite. Um, but uh, you equally had people who were independents who were supportive, um, including uh, some ministers in governments of the day would, would come and engage with you and they were supportive of the movement. So it was very broadly based ideologically. But, I mean, try, try and get that through to people. It's very difficult in the Isle of Man. Well, the, people the, love the old myths. The reason I ask is trade unionism, socialism, or kind of left-leaning politics are all kind of banded into one in people's perceptions a lot of the time, I think. Yeah. I, is that I, fair? I mean, yeah, I think that is a fair... Uh, and, and not just on the Isle of Man, I might add. Yeah, this it's, is a, a, it's a fair construct, that, and that's why, um, I suppose, uh, uh, well, I refer to the current Tinwald as Tinwald Tories, but I think there's probably a perception amongst the majority of members of Tinwald. I think it's a bit unkind to call them Tories, actually, but um, there's probably a perception that the organised labour movement is going to, I don't know, lead to the um, next international or something. But uh, I, d I doubt that will happen in the Isle of Man. But returning to the point, what is absolutely certain, I mean, I would stake money on it, even if I'm not around to see it. There will be industrial unrest if you don't provide channels for working people to express themselves. And the best way that they have to express themselves is through the uh, union movement. Now, today, uh, I'm not going to criticise my colleagues um, who've taken over in uh, Unite or in Prospect or any of the other unions on the island, but uh, I think they need to up their game as well and um, uh, develop a higher profile because they have a tremendous responsibility on their shoulders to um, all working people in the Isle of Man, and uh, they have uh, they have strength and influence, and they should they should exercise it. Like I think they can do it um, positively and competently. Tell us some more about the brewery strikes. You mentioned that earlier. Um, it's outside of my my sphere of knowledge. Um, what, what what was the the beginning of discussions about there? 
Well, uh, it was very much about um, uh, very poor pay at the time for uh, uh, draymen and general workers in the uh, uh, breweries on the island. There were several breweries, but the main dispute was with what became Isle of Man breweries. But um, uh, we we had um, uh, dis- a dispute with them, and uh, that sort of petered out as in a draw. And then a separate incident incurred, uh, occurred involving a, um, a hotel where uh, there was a dispute over uh, workplace conditions. And uh, the brewery used the situation at that time, uh, I believe, as an excuse to try to get rid of one of our shop stewards. And when they sacked the shop steward, uh, that led to the strike I, I mentioned over the Christmas period. And it was it was a very bitter strike. It was it. Uh, it involved about um, 50 plus employees, and um, as I say, the, their paying conditions were were very poor, so they were hardly, you know, well placed to withstand a long strike. But we got tremendous support, and uh, that was interesting as well. It gave an interesting insight to um, uh, the public perception in the island here, because we got support from uh, business people. We got support from people that I would rather unkindly call well-heeled in terms of uh, cash donations. We At the Christmas period when we appealed uh, for food, ironically now, appealing for food for food banks is the norm, but back then it was quite uh, a unique thing to do. We got support from businesses that were not unionised at all and you know had no uh, sympathy for uh, the ideals of trade unionism, but they did have sympathy for the thought of people having a bad Christmas, and we were able to uh, ensure that um, the guys were given both financial and practical support at that time. And of course, the the dispute was then resolved. And I'm pleased to say that after that, uh, certainly with I don't know what things are like today, but with Isle of Man Breweries, we we had uh, a perfectly sound working re- relationship, one of the best working relationships. The series of events, series of events, which occurred around the brewery strikes, would that happen now? Do you think? Oh, I, I don't think so. I think um, uh, these days uh, there's more likely to be uh, sporadic uh, industrial action. The uh, the postal situation was a good example where people had uh, one day stoppages. I mean, to be perfectly honest, we had that kind of situation as well. We had a dispute. Uh, at the uh, t- uh, the buses, which uh, in the uh, 1990s that uh, lasted for nine months, and we took industrial action sometimes on the basis of um, an hour, a half day, or whatever, and it went on and on and on, and it went past the point. It was an overpay actually. It went past the point where the amount of money lost uh, could be recouped through getting the pay settlement, and yet the workers were. Uh, and it was always their decision. The workers were determined to not back down. So when we got the settlement... So d- does it become a point of principle, basically? It, uh, very much so. I mean, people, um, certainly back then, people were uh, very passionate that, you know, if it was fair and right and they believed that, they would uh, they would stand out for it as well. And um, as I say, there were a variety of disputes from uh, uh, small industrial plants like uh, Krillex, uh, as it was, uh, long gone now, um, to when the new power station was being constructed. I don't mean the the uh, 
the glass factory out on at uh, Paul Rose now, but the one that preceded that that was uh, built there, there was a dispute with the construction workers there as well. So we had a lot of um, disputes. And as I say, uh, we had good support um, from uh, a number of members within Tinwald. Uh, David Cretney, for example, the Labour Party was always a very um, strong uh, supporter of working people. And David... Uh, I think is the only uh, MHK I can uh, remember turning up at about quarter to seven in the morning at the workplace to uh, support me when I was speaking to workers. That was Douglas, some dispute at Douglas Corporation. Forget the details now, but uh, um, they, they were very supportive. And as I say, you had other uh, independent members like uh, Dominic Delaney. Um, I think even people like uh, David North, who was a minister, um, several incarnations of a minister in the government, David was uh, fairly supportive as well. Yeah. Just finally, um, I take inspiration from a column you wrote in um, Isle of Man newspapers uh, some years ago now, not many years ago, but a few years ago now anyway. Um, How does... I mean, you're a man who wears several hats. How does trade unionism and membership of and involvement in trade unionism fit with nationalism? Well, I think um, there's this... uh, I got myself into a bit of hot water recently, actually, because I suggested that uh, in in a piece we did for McVannan that uh, we should be uh, broader in our approach to... uh, uh, policy and so on and that seemed to rile some people who seemed to believe that McFannan had been predicated on um, uh, being left of centre if you like um, that wasn't the case The uh, McFannan was uh, very much a small C conservative organisation when I joined it but it very much developed the social justice aspect that I've referred to several times and I would say its, uh, it's arguments became more leaning towards socialism and eventually, of course, republican socialism. Um, So I didn't see any incompatibility between it at all. But the other thing was, I mean, you had to to be able to separate things. People often saw me as synonymous with uh, McVan and the Celtic League and uh, the trade union movement, and it was all lumped into one. I could separate them. I mean, that was uh, something that I had no difficulty doing. I I loved it. I, I... uh, loved the activity at the time. I had a, a very sympathetic uh, wife for most of that period who uh, kept me in line. I wouldn't have been writing some of the things that you see on Facebook if she was still around. But um, uh, I, I absolutely enjoyed it and I could separate uh, in terms of uh, my involvement in both the broader inter-Celtic movement and the national movement from uh, socialism. And remember, we also... Um, uh, spawned at that time, for want of a better word, the Manx Council for Civil Liberties, which led to dramatic change here, um, not in terms of social justice, but over uh, uh, libertarian things, because the, the island was a very different place 30 years ago in terms of civil rights. <laughs> Go and ask somebody like Alan Shea, he'll tell you. Do you think involvement in trade unionism and in nationalism um had any detriment to the other if you see what I mean sometimes it would be difficult Uh, I can tell you I'll give you a good example actually Um, 
my involvement in the Celtic League in particular led to a fairly vibrant uh, campaign against Sellafield, which was very much supported over here. And uh, eventually, even uh, our uh, TGWU main branch here, the Douglas branch, as it was called then, um, passed a resolution of opposition to Sellafield. Well, I mean, that was anathema to uh, the union uh, centrally in the UK because in most of the nuclear power stations, and certainly at Sellafield and places like Springfields, there were lots of uh, trade union members. And eventually I was leaned on by um, uh, officials in the region uh, to try and change the stance. And I got uh, support from our branch here and I dug my heels in and it looked uh, a bit iffy for a while as if uh, um, I might lose the job. But um, I mean, I'd been through situations before where I'd been staring into a abyss, particularly when injunctions were served and you suddenly found that uh, the uh, union movement in the UK were having, a, a, you know, the jitters over that. Um, so I, I stood my ground. So, um, yeah, there were, there were conflicts between it, if, if that's what you mean. And uh, uh, fortunately, and I can't reiterate this strongly enough, I had a very good support base in terms of the activists who were immediately around me. They were very protective, overprotective, if you like. So I could shove myself up here to uh, Manx Radio in those days. I, I mean, I was in and out of the... The, the station you you could have put a revolving door in uh, so and I was very much the face of the TNG but it was a bit of a sham really because behind me there were an army of people who were supporting me and uh, ensuring that I was able to do that so uh, their role has never been properly uh, um, recognized I don't think yeah